When I can't seem to trace out your plan When my lines are conforming Gotta know that you're for me And for me All right, everybody, welcome to Cornerstone. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman, where we believe that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. For those of you that are tuning in online, I will encourage you to check in. You can use our church center app, or the, if you're here, you can use a check-in card or text here to our church number. So this is a new series, but it's a familiar theme. We have been talking in the last three series about the practices of following Jesus. So that's where the word praxis comes from. It's uh, based on the Greek word that talks about our course of action. So what are the things that we do? And they're all rooted in our model of ministry, which is rooted in Jesus' model of ministry. We see Jesus praying, teaching, and healing, praying, getting, uh, getting off on his own with God to commune with God. We see him gathering a group of disciples or apprentices and teaching them his ways and then sending them out to do ministry. So we talk about knowing God, growing together, and going and making a difference. So we've had, this will be the third Praxis series, and it's based on this model. And you'll notice, and so this is kind of overview, this is a little bit of review, that there are next steps that are associated with each of those. So as I just said in the transition, we welcome people wherever they are on their spiritual journey. We think that that models Jesus, but we also encourage you to take next steps. Jesus never left people where he found them. He encouraged them to take next steps. So you'll see that for each of those, there are next steps. And in fact, if you are, I see some of you already have your growth guides out and you'll see that the, the model is over here on this side and the next steps are on this side. And you can do what I did, which is draw a line from those elements to the next steps so that you can see that connection. So we're in the know God section. You can draw that a line straight to saying yes. And what are the practices? Well, they're the ordinances of the church. And also we encourage you to journal, to spend time with God on a regular basis by reading and responding to his word. What are the ordinances? They are baptism, which is the way that we celebrate your entrance into the community of faith, and communion, where we remember the basis upon which we have entered into the faith. So we try to celebrate communion just about once a month. Next week will be our week that we celebrate communion. Then you can draw another line from knowing God to worshiping together weekly. So there's something you kind of do on your own. That's the reading and responding to God's word. There's something that we do corporately all together. We gather for worship. Then we skipped over grow and we skipped down to go and make a difference. There are two practices, two next steps that we uh, associate with that. First, serving on a team at least monthly. And we talked about how there are teams that are primarily focused on serving 
one another. And there are also teams that are focused on making a positive impact in the world. And then last week, we touched on the idea of stewardship or giving. And so you can draw another line from going and making a difference to giving consistently. So if you were waiting for the third giving message to start giving or to increase your giving or to, there's not going to be a third message. We covered that and we're moving on. So you'll want to take care of that. So in this series, we're in that middle section, which is strategic. I skipped over that strategically because this is a better time of the year when everybody is coming back together, getting back into their schedule. We're focusing on the practices of growth, growing together. Now, most of the time when you think about spiritual growth, you may not think of the focus of what we're talking about today, which is the idea of friendships or relationships. But I want to bring you back to Jesus' model. What he did was he gathered a group together, his disciples, and he did teach them. There was content that was delivered, but it was in the context of a relationship. And if you think about it, a lot of times people come to church, check out a church in part because they want to make friends. They want to find friends, make friends, and have friends. But that sometimes works and it sometimes doesn't, right? Because while we would like to think that everybody that you find at church is going to be a good friend, that's not necessarily the case. While we would like to think that when you connect with church that everybody is going to be following after Jesus wholeheartedly and it will be encouraging, beneficial, mutually beneficial relationships, anybody that has been in church for any period of time can testify that that's not always exactly the case. So what is the problem? Why is it that we come to church to make friends, that our faith is primarily a relational faith? I mean, we talk about coming uh, coming to God and becoming into coming into a new relationship with God through faith that uh, that um, he becomes we talk about personal having a personal relationship with Jesus well th- those are all relational those are all um, interactive kind of words so why is it that we don't have better friends and friendships in church so that is what we're going to handle as we talk about connecting in this first message of the Praxis Grow series. So we're going to be talking about friendship. What does uh, friendship, particularly as it relates to being in the church? And so overview, again, don't try to write these down. We'll come back to it. I'm going to, uh, the, well, actually the bottom line you can write down. The, the bottom line is the one thing that I want you to remember through all of this is that you must connect relationally to grow spiritually. You must connect relationally to grow spiritually. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian, but we find that sometimes it's more challenging than we would like to make those connections and those relationships that are going to encourage us and spur us on spiritually. So I'm going to make three suggestions to you. And these are the things I'm going to come back to. Don't bother trying to write this down. This is, and some of, them, you know, some of them will be more obvious than others. Some of them will need a little bit of an explanation. So just hold on for a sec. 
But here's what we're going to say. In order to connect, you have to connect relationally to grow spiritually. So I'm going to suggest that you spend time having fun together, that you gain skills by learning together, and that you find purpose by serving together. And my challenge to you is going to be one of the most fun, interesting challenges I have ever given to you on a Sunday morning, and that is to have fun, think of it, with people in your church, to plan and schedule to have fun with some people in your church. So let's look at it together. This is uh, some of Jesus' teaching. It's actually around the, the calling of the disciples, and it's found in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 49. Now, I'm not going to read the, ent- the entirety of it. It's kind of a long passage, but I want you to get kind of the gist and the feel of it. So, uh, again, it starts out with the calling of the disciples. This is verse 12. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Remember that pattern, pray, teach, heal? You'll see that as you read the scriptures. This is Jesus getting off on his own to commune with God. Why? At daybreak, verse 2, verse 12, 13, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names, and it names them. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. So when they came down from the mountain, this verse 17, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers and the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from as far away north as the seacoasts of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him teaching and to be healed, healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, so he goes off and he prays. He comes back down from the mountain, selects his disciples. And then there's a crowd on a plane and he's going to give a sermon. Now, when I start reading parts of the sermon, it'll sound a little bit familiar because it's very similar to a passage in Matthew where Jesus is up on a mountain, is surrounded by crowds and disciples and begins to teach them. We call that the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Sermon on the Plain. God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. 
What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do for you. Again, this should sound a little bit familiar. It's variations on a theme, very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, and a lot of it has to do with relationships. And the sermon, although shorter, ends with the same illustration. Let's skip down to verse 39. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A true tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we read your word, I'm thinking about the way that that message and the Sermon on the Mount also concluded about the importance of application, that whether our house stands or falls has a lot to do with what we do with what we hear. So I pray, Lord, that you would show us through this message, through your word, with the conviction of your Holy Spirit, what you would have each of us to do. And then empower us, prompt us, compel us, encourage us to respond in obedience and have a bias towards action. 
so that we might experience the blessing that comes from not only hearing, but doing what we hear. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So in order to grow spiritually, you have to connect relationally. And what, we, uh, what I'm going to suggest is that you spend time having fun together with people in your church. Now, I might be weird, but I might be one of those people that don't necessarily having a blast, associate having a blast with church. I mean, I do have a blast at church and I do have a blast with people at church, but I'm not sure that that's the common number one thing that comes to mind when people think of church. Oh yeah, that place is a blast. I love being there. Now, if that's your experience, that's great. That's probably a little bit closer to what Jesus had in mind, but there is a relational connection that happens when we come to Christ and that he wants to share with us. If you think about, again, our our faith is such a relational faith. When God created everything, he created us to have a relationship with us. He crafted all of creation to, to create a space for us to be able to interact with one another and to interact with him. And when you say yes to Jesus, you're not just, you're not signing up for some program or some to-do list. You are saying yes to a relationship. When I use an illustration for baptism, I most closely associate that with a wedding ceremony because where it's where you get in front of all of your friends and family and say, I'm now entering into a new relationship. I'm going to be associated with this person for the rest of my life. And we celebrate that and we throw a party. When we celebrate communion, think about those words, celebrate communion. I've been to churches where communion is not a celebration, but I try to encourage a celebration because what are we doing? It's like celebrating our anniversary. It's remembering, hey, we get to be in this new relationship with God through Jesus Christ because of what Jesus Christ did through his broken body and his spilled blood. Yes, it's a time for self-examination. Yes, it should not be taken lightly, but is it is it wrong to celebrate communion? I don't think so. So, um, so I was thinking about it. How, can, how is it that we can emphasize this relational component to it? And it's spending time, having fun together. So let's talk about the spending time first. First, um, I love uh, a, a message I heard where the big idea was that relationships happen in the margin. I think I put this in your notes. So underline that idea of margin. In other words, if you're going to have a good relationship with someone, you have to create space for that relationship to happen. I've talked before about how uh, some of our best conversations that Sue and I have had have been when we were traveling together, where we're just sitting next to each other for hours on end. What is that doing? It's creating a space for the relationship. And if, unless you think that that's, and, unless you think that not be spiritual, 
let's look at the calling of the disciples. This is in Mark chapter 3, verse 14. It's a parallel passage to the one in Luke chapter 6 that I just read to you. And this is the way it's described by Mark, who we think his gospel is based on Peter's preaching. He, Jesus, appointed 12, whom he also named to be apostles, to be with him. And then to send them out and to do all this ministry and stuff like that. But, but don't, don't skip over that too quickly. To be with him. To spend time together. That was part of what he was talking about. And then having fun together. Now, again, maybe you don't associate church with fun. Maybe you don't associate Jesus with fun. But I just sat and made just a list off the top of my head of some of the things that Jesus and his disciples did together. They traveled together. They celebrated holidays together. Now, most of the time, we, we emphasize family over friends at holidays, and understandably so. You're going to get together with your family. But there are some people that are friends that are like family. Maybe some of these friends you spend the holidays with even. You make, make a point of spending time. Jesus and his disciples celebrated holidays together. They laughed together. Uh, some of you picked up on this, I noticed in there, but it, it, when I was reading that passage of the Sermon on the Plain, but the, the scriptures and, and Jesus' teaching have a lot of humor in them. Now, in that passage, you have this ridiculous idea of somebody saying, oh, let me get that speck out of your eye. You've got something in your eye when they've got a log sticking out of their eye. I mean, that would have created laughter. Another one that no, almost nobody picks up on is Jesus is talking about his cousin, John the Baptist. And, and John was very popular. He had crowds just flocking out into the wilderness where he lived. Uh, in order to hear his preaching. And there were two things that were very distinctive about John. Number one is the way that he lived. He lived out in the wilderness. He wore rough clothes and ate a rough diet. And the other thing about him is that he was a fire-breathing preacher. He would see the, the, the religious leaders, the ones that demanded respect coming, and he would say, what you brood of vipers. He's, remember in the garden, Satan is depicted as a what? A snake. And he says, look at all the snakes heading out here. What are you doing? Did someone warn you about the coming judgment that you're about to experience? He was a fire-breathing preacher. And so Jesus talking about his cousin, he says, so, so why did you guys all go out into the wilderness to, to hear John preach? Was it because you wanted to see someone dressed in fine clothes? And, and they giggled and laughed, I'm sure. Or, or maybe yeah, it was somebody that, you know, their opinions are just sway, swaying with the wind. You know, they, they decide what they're going to say by putting their finger in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. That was not John at all. I'm sure that the crowds would have been laughing at that. But we dismiss it because we don't pick up on that. But they laughed together. They had fun together. They were friends. 
And I was thinking about this for myself may, uh, because there have been times where I'm like, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not happy with the state of my friendships and that kind of thing. I was like, well, what, how would I define a friend? How do I know someone is my friend? And I was thinking through all the things and I was like, you know, my friends are the people that I have fun with. They actually go and do something fun. I mean, there are a lot of people I enjoy spending time with that we work together or we do projects together or something like that. But really, I mean, the people that I want to hang out with, that I want to travel with and celebrate holidays with and laugh, that I, people that I laughed with, those are the people that are my friends. And that's what Jesus modeled and gathered around him. So why would we not do the same? He, Jesus, invites us into friendship with himself. And there's a relational component to it. It made me think of uh, an old hymn. I was surprised a couple of weeks, uh, a while ago, I asked how many of you had been in churches, grown up in churches that were uh, sang hymns, and a lot of you had that experience. So maybe this will be familiar to you, but this is the one that came to my mind that focuses on the relationship component to our faith. It's called He Lives. Maybe you sang this somewhere. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. And listen, listen to this, this is the experiential side of it. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart you ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. There's a relational component to our faith. And what I hope that you will see as we go through this is that that, that know, grow, and go that we see in Jesus' life, that we're modeling our practice on, that we are experiencing with God. We want to know God. We want to grow together in faith. We want to go and make a difference on, if on his behalf, in his behalf, for his kingdom. That model can be transferred to our relationships as well. And this first part that I've just went through about growing relationally, uh, connecting relationally to grow spiritually and spending time having fun together, that's that's the knowing each other. You have to commune with each other. You, you spend time together and you enjoy your time together. But there's also another aspect to it as well, and that's gaining skills by learning together. And you could parallel that to the grow together. What did Jesus do? He gathered a group and he taught them. Now, a lot of times when we think about teaching, we think of a classroom setting, uh, a sit still while I in still. Uh, but that's not exactly what Jesus did. In fact, his was much more like apprenticing 
It was much more like learning a skill. Now, he touched on this in the Sermon on the Plain when he says, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And those, those words that I highlighted, those are probably worth, worth circling in your growth guide as well. In other words, to be fully trained, it, it doesn't say is to know as much as your teacher. It doesn't say fully trained will be able to regurgitate information like your teacher did. It's like you will become like the teacher. The, a, a disciple is an apprentice. And to follow Jesus is to become like him. So... There is a content, there's stuff that we learn, but it's not of any use unless it is applied. So again, I'll refer you to your growth guide. Look at the bottom of that page. Think instruction when you hear God's law. Torah or law can be translated instruction. God is giving us insight and help. And so one of the things that we'll do over the course of this little mini series on this practice is talk about some of the skills of good relationships. How do you forgive someone? How do you get past conflict? How do you avoid conflict uh, healthily? Uh, think skill when you hear learning and think apprentice when you hear disciple. So we see Jesus gathering people together and teaching them, but it was not just delivering information. It was developing a skill. So that's why a lot of the preaching that you hear here and a lot of what you see in the Bible is instruction on good relationships. And so we'll continue that as we talk through this series. So... What's the bottom line? You have to connect relationally in order to grow spiritually. I'm going to encourage you to spend time having fun together. Gain skills by learning together. That's one of the things that we do when we gather here on Sunday mornings. But also there's the go aspect of it as well, to find purpose by serving together. Find purpose by serving together. Let's look at the model of Jesus in the scriptures. This is a little bit later in Luke chapter 9. It's talking about his, uh, Jesus uh, sending out the disciples. He called them together, gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. He empowered them and commissioned them to go and do good, to go and make a difference. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and heal the sick. So he calls them. He, he goes off and he prays. Then he calls them and gathers them and begins to teach them, apprentice them, grow them and develop them. And then he sends them out. So there are two kind of, two ditches. Uh, there's a ditch on each side of the road when it comes in. And on the one hand, I think of what can happen in an unhealthy youth group. Uh, uh, now, this doesn't happen very often because people are aware of this now, but, but sometimes, you know, you start out in a youth group and they're like, we got to draw the kids in. We got to entertain them. We got to keep them engaged. And so it's all about entertainment and going crazy and having fun, and that's fine. But if that's all there is, then that's going to fall short. 
On the other side, there's, we're going to just throw a lot of content and you're going to learn a lot of stuff and you'll be able to re recite the books of the Bible and memorize verses, but you never do anything with it. In the middle of the road is, yes, have fun. Yes, you're going to learn stuff, but it's learning with a purpose. We need to put it into practice. And so there was a time where Jesus said, enough circling up among ourselves. Let's go out and do some good. Let's go out and heal the sick. Let's go out and tell them about the kingdom of God. Let's go out and see people delivered from oppression. So in the same way, that's why we're going to encourage you to serve together. And a lot of times that's where relationships happen, right? Is when you're working together, you're doing stuff together, you have some purpose together. So today, what have we been talking about? We've been talking about friendship. What are we saying? You got to connect relationally in order to grow spiritually. So we're going to spend time together so you can have fun together, gain skills by learning together, find purpose by serving together. So here's my next step. Sometime during the month of September that we're in right now, I'm going to encourage you to create some space for relationships or more specifically to have fun with some people in your church this month. Now, some of you are already friends and spend time together. I'm going to encourage you to broaden your circle. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to maybe get outside of your comfort zone, extend an invitation, do something that, with people that you normally might not hang around with. Or maybe you've connected before in the past, but you haven't taken the opportunity lately. Do something to create space to have fun to build that relationship. A part of this is also strategic as well. If you develop friendships within the church, you're more likely to stick and stay with it and be on the journey for a longer period of time. And also, when you come into a church, if the church is full of good relationships and the skills of good relationships, then you're more likely to stick there because you have the opportunity to build good relationships. And I want to end with not only this challenge, but an encouragement to actually do something with it. You know, the whole, the whole last three plus months where we've been talking about the practices of a follower of Jesus are going to be worthless if we don't do anything with it. And that's why Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain talked about the importance of doing something with what, he, what you've heard. This is how he said it. He's pretty direct. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? In other words, there's, there's, a, there's a disconnect between calling me Lord and then not doing what I say. And if you want, you can draw a connection between these next four verses because the first two are an illustration of what it's like. Someone who hears my words 
and acts on them, and that's the person who built the house upon a rock. And then in contrast to that is the one who hears and does not act. So it's not the hearing that makes a difference. It's what you do with what you hear. And then the next two verses talk about the results of that. So you can draw a line from the top verse in the, the, in the one section to the top verse in the next, second verse in the top section to the second verse in the next. What happens if you hear and do, hear and act? The house stands firm because it's well built. What happens if you hear, but you don't act? The house collapse, collapses into a heap of ruins. So the question becomes, do you want to benefit from what we've been talking about? Do you want to see the good results of what Jesus has taught? Then let's do something with what we hear. Let's act on what we hear. And then that house, built on a solid foundation, will stand even when the storms come. That's what Jesus wants for us. That's what I hope for for myself and for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm first of all thankful that the, the most amazing part of this is the good news of the gospel, that you opened up an invitation to relationship to us. You invited us into your family. You made us citizens in your kingdom through sending your son Jesus and his death on the cross that paid the price for our forgiveness and opened the door to a relationship with you. Thank you. And I thank you also that it's not just a new relationship with God through Christ, but also that you've placed us in a family with brothers and sisters. And you've given us a mission, a purpose in the midst of that to take that message of the kingdom and share it with others and invite new people into the family. Lord, I pray that you would make us a people who not only hear but act that we will listen and obey. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be determined to do what you say, to act on what we've heard, and make this, your church, a place where relationships flourish, friendships are made, and circles are expanded. Thank you for this. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen.